No, no, no. That's that's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All good, bro. All right. All right. Bye, man. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Can anything really be all good and no bad? Sorry? Well, I was just on the phone. Did you say something? Nah. Nah, all good. All right, sweet. I said it too! Did I mean it? Said what? All good! All right, never mind then. No, I said all good, James! Okay, that's fine then. No, that's not it! All right, just don't worry about it. It's much too late for that. Oh, what? <laughs> so sympathetic for you. <laughs> I, I, I sounded almost pitiful. I'll I'll take it as a as a glowing review uh, of your acting yeah, skills. Yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Welcome to the Get Commanded podcast by the Greensboro Commander community. It's the GCP by the GCC and POG Palms Off Gaming sponsor of this podcast. We're all uniting forces to help you to have better games of Commander. I'm your host Walt. And hello Commander players. I'm your other host James. Now, we know how our podcast works. We've got an incoming transmission. We're yes. going to talk about some stuff about Commander, but before we jump into that, I did just very quickly want to say to all of you lovely listeners, if you like our content and wish to support us, the best way to do so is on our Patreon, which we now have. Feel like real creators now, like yeah. actually got like a website that's you know got our branding on it we've got a theme song and everything it's... we're now 12 feet tall i know we've got a no ego at no. all <laughs> <laughs> but yes if you want to there's incredible tiers on patreon to sign up to you can have exclusive games with walt and i have yep. an exclusive discord channel that only the patreons get and all of these other incredible things so go to patreon.com slash get commander podcast to see all the tiers and become a space commander yourself yeah well, speaking of which speaking of which we do have that incoming transmission from the deep depths of the galaxy, from the Space Commanders. It's time to get commanded. The most frequently played commander cards are typically powerful in all situations. However, using cards that are powerful in only some situations will force you to make more difficult decisions. Over time, these decisions will transform you into a more skillful commander player. Interesting. Mm. So, if I'm not mistaken, did the space commanders just call good cards bad for you? I is that what they're saying? I guess they kind of did. They're not. They're not saying good cards are bad. They're just saying. You should play bad cards because it'll make you better. Yeah. Yeah, I guess this is probably, um, maybe they were inspired. Command Zone had that recent um, episode where they talked about bad cards that they still play. So basically, like, cards that they know are bad, they're not the best versions of the effect, but they love yes. them anyway and continue to play them because they like the way they feel when they play them. I did listen to that episode. It was um, a good one. It was really good, yeah. Shout really out good Command one. Zone for calling yourselves out. Yes. Was, <laughs> that's some good humbling, man. Yeah. I like that. It had a really strong rage. Rachel Weeks vibe, which I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I could never sing Rachel's praises enough. But this seems like uh, what they want from us for, for this episode of our podcast is more so what you get when you play uh, less powerful cards, I guess, is how, is how they talked about them. The weirder it, cards. Yeah. yeah. It seems like they kind of divided the cards into two camps. So it was sort of the two sentences there. They, they talked about cards that are powerful in all situations mm -hmm. and cards that are powerful in some situations okay, and they well, kind of want us to move into that second camp rather than the first so wh what do you think like which cards come to your mind for you that are powerful in all situations i mean immediately my brain went okay i'm on edh rec i click <laughs> on any commander yes what are the cards that are at the top of the page i mean even the like edh rec actually have like a top cards page yes. as well so even that one would probably just be like I mean, this makes sense, right? Like, if they're, if they're powerful in all situations, they're probably going to go in almost any deck. They're basically talking about staples, really. Yes, I think a staples is probably, like, the colloquial term that we use for, you know, cards that have a specific colour identity. So, like, monocoloured cards are usually considered staples because they go in, like, quote, all white decks. Like, I'm yeah. thinking specifically, like, 
Swords to Plowshares, Path to Exile. Yes. They are the top two most efficient single target exile spells in our format, yeah. which includes every goddamn card ever printed. Yeah. So clearly, if you're running a white magic commander deck, you should put Path and Swords in there, right? Yeah, because I mean, they're like the best. If, if um, Yes, if you want your deck to be as powerful as you can possibly make it, then yeah, those those cards are like the absolute best choice for you. That, that You can't beat the efficiency. They cost one mana. There isn't a single other spell that does it efficient as efficiently as no. that. So it's like if you've got white in your commander's color identity, why not? Yeah. Like, it just makes your deck really efficient, yeah. consistent. Best yeah. version of it. Absolutely. In a similar vein, like Smothering Tithe, you know? Oh, yeah. This card uh, turns your opponent's card draws into treasures. Treasures tap and sacrifice to add a mana of any color. So, of course, if you're in a five-color deck, Smothering Tithe, if anything, is better than in a mono-white deck. It also allows um, our friend Brad to scream at you across the table, Do you pay the two for Smothering Tithe? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows someone who screams at them about paying the two. Or paying or the one. Or paying the one for yeah. Rhystic Study. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's probably a similar camp, actually, Rhystic study yeah i mean playing both of them you're just a dick (laughs) (laughs) you pay the three for that card draw and spell yes do you you're gonna do it you're gonna do it trip's gonna cost you three extra (laughs) (laughs) oh disgusting um yeah i mean even like sort of board wipey sort of effects like like cyclonic rift is probably Uh, arguably like at least top three best board wipes in our format format Yes, it costs seven mana, but it's instant speed. It doesn't touch your stuff at all. It gets rid of everything your opponents are doing. Yeah, like, and if it's and it's also like modal as well. So it's mm. got that um, one in a blue bounce single target non-land yes. permanent. So it's like it's modal. It's it's one sided board wipe. It's mono blue, so it goes in any blue color identity deck. Mm. It, it's just the best version of the effect. Yeah, even the overload cost is only six in a blue. So you it's only not, ever yeah. need the one blue pip to cast. Realistically, it. if you're in a five color deck, it's not hard to run cyclonic. No, rest. I've seen it i've yeah. definitely seen it in five color decks because it's I've that seen good it frequently yeah yeah it's that that strong and uh in blue we have um free counter spells yeah uh, you see these probably more in like the higher end of the of the sort of power level scale usually these are quite ex- i mean the cards we've talked about already like smothering tides has got a bit of a price tag on it yeah so does um cyclonic rift definitely but counter so- spells are like in the league of their own yeah <laughs> um force of will is obviously one of the best in our format it's yeah. one where you can pay a life and exile a blue card from your hand and cast it for free counters anything counters target spell um fierce guardianships one that we probably see slightly more often in casual i would say i mean it was printed in a commander precon yeah so it's, it's um, a commander card it's a commander <laughs> card explicitly yeah so this is the one that's free if you control your commander um counters a non-creature spell specifically but like yeah. you know if you are playing a deck where you care about all your creatures sticking around and someone tries to cast blasphemous act yeah cyclonic uh not cyclonic fierce guardianship, fierce guardianship yeah. is is just like arguably the most efficient way of stopping someone from doing that best version of protection i am i'm gonna pause here side Mm -hmm. tangent yeah i'm gonna make a prediction on record Mm -hmm. that i reckon commander masters we'll talk about the price tag another day (laughs) i reckon we're gonna get a reprint of these this cycle of free spells that we saw in the commander precons that's that's my prediction flawless maneuver yeah Uh, there's the black one that exiles obscuring haze i really love that's a sick one uh deadly rollick is the black one also very strong what's the red one creature um who cares The black and blue one are the best. Oh, um, yeah, who cares? It's true. Green is a close third. Like, it's pretty cool. The White is pretty haze. good. Doesn't it keep your creatures indestructible? Yeah. Okay, that's pretty it's, good protection. It's still good wrath removal. Yeah, yeah I think... I, I admittedly think Obscuring Haze is probably slept on. I, I think it should put, see more play than it does. I it's only have, like $4 or I've something. I've lost to it with you. Yes. You have cast My it new mono green yeah. deck, definitely, it pulls it out a good chunk of the time. It's, it's pretty a, strong. It's a strong card. Um, speaking of strong cards, the best way to find your strong cards is going to be tutors. Uh, and Black mm. has Vampiric Tutor, Demonic Tutor. You can even start to stretch to like Grim Tutor. But like these cards see play likewise to some of the ones we've just mentioned, in five-color decks, because they just pull the best card out of your deck for very little mana. I mean, Demonic Tutor, two mana, get any card in your deck, put it in your hand, don't have to reveal. It's, like, arguably one of the best cards in our format. Yeah, I think tutors are just, like, as a blanket term, especially when it tutors any card. So, specifically, the black ones Mm. usually do this. And, like you said, to a stretch, Grim Tutor. But I think they're ubiquitous because if you're playing a commander deck, you've got a certain strategy. Mm. That strategy will have a win con, and it's usually on on a card in your deck. Yeah. So, if you've got black, you can use that card as an extra version of your win con. Yeah, I mean, I think the nip 
picking nerds phrased this in a really good way of saying um, Demonic Tutor is a second copy of the best card in your deck, but it's actually better than that because it it's the best. It can also be something else. That it you can need be anything else that yeah. you need. So yeah, if you need to hit your land drop, Demonic Tutor gets your land drop. Like it's better than the best card in your deck, which you, is crazy to say out loud. You would Demonic Tutor for a land. <laughs> <laughs> if I owned a copy, yeah, maybe. I only own one copy of Demonic Tutor and it's Japanese and oh, it looks sick. I, I love would it. not be shocked if the Japanese version is more expensive, knowing how many weebs play our game. That's true. I did <laughs> I did trade my way for it, but uh, it looks really it cool. Look, it does look yeah. really cool. It does look really cool. Um, still in black, Reanimate is probably the most efficient way to pull a creature card out of a graveyard. Yep. It even steals your opponent's stuff, so if to Demonic Tutor is, represents the best card in your deck at any given time. Reanimate represents the best card in anyone's graveyard at any anyone's time. Anyone's graveyard, yeah. yeah, it's really strong. Yep. I mean, you can even go into like the ramp section of um, kind of the realm. We talked about mm. Smothering Tithe. Yeah. But one of the cards that's been a really big talking point and is seeing play everywhere, and this is why the rules committee are like, oh, do we ban it, do we not? Dockside Extortionist. Yeah. Um, we didn't quite touch on this goblin um, in our ban list episode a lot. Not a lot, but we did mention we him, We did I mention think. him, yeah. but this card is now... It used to be... I mean, for context, the card was printed in a Commander Precon mm. that was only had a limited printing. Yes. I managed to buy that Precon when it was printed, so I bought it for like 60 bucks, which was incredible. <laughs> yeah. And now this goblin um, is worth... A ridiculous amount. I think mm. it's still sitting around that eighty dollar, hundred dollar mark. Because it got a reprint in Double Masters, which brought it down a bit, but mm. it's still at least fifty. But I think following the reprint in Double Masters, it's now seeing even more play. Yes, in our format, which then makes it more popular. Exactly, and more people want it, which brings the price up. Yeah, which also makes the rules committee go, "Oh shit, do we now need yes. to ban it?" Yeah. yeah, I think they specifically mentioned that when it got that reprint, they were like, "Actually, this is back on our radar because yep. now it's much more likely to see this in casual pods because people will pull them in there." Yeah. There's, there's one everywhere. Yeah. Um, and look, the most efficient way to end the game, if you're playing a creature-based deck, is probably going to be Cradle of Behemoth, right? This yep. is the, the eight drop that uh, makes all your creatures get plus X plus X, but X is the number of creatures you control. So if you've got 10 one ones, doesn't matter if they're the one ones, you've cast a Cradle of Behemoth, they all mm. get plus 10 plus 10. And it's the most win. efficient one. It's like yes. 100% the most efficient one. I actually, because you can tutor it easily as a creature, you can yep. put it onto the battlefield without casting yeah, it. Yeah, with tooth and nail yeah, or something. Yeah, there's really, really easy ways to like slam hoof down. So it's usually mm. when, when someone's like, oh, Oh, in rule zero, I'm going to play my token deck. I'm like, you're running hoof? Yeah. Like, because I'll instantly know, like, I'm judging your power level based on this single card. I mean, it really tells you, like, how quickly someone can win a game, like, based on their board state. You know, someone's got, yeah. they've got, like, five one ones. And everyone's got 20 life. In general, you'd be like, oh, I don't think they're going to win this turn. But if someone's got a hoof in their deck, maybe? There's a, there's a chance. There's a ch so you're, you're saying, saying there's, there's a, a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, so look, th these are playable in a wide array of circumstances. Cards like Smothering Tithe and Dockside Extortionist make treasures which mm -hmm. produce any colour. Um, Demonic Tutor has only a single black pip. Like, I hope you're getting the feel that these cards are so applicable to so many different circumstances. Yeah. Like, they are the cards that I think the Space Commanders are talking about when they say these are powerful in all circumstances. Yeah, if you've got that in your Commander's colour identity, even if, like, you're not in a treasure token synergy... If you run Smothering Tithe, it's going to be good. Yeah. If, if you've got, like, white... And even if you don't represent white a lot in your colours of... Like, maybe you've got, like, one planes in your deck. Mm. Like, one way to produce white mana and you still run Smothering Tithe. Yeah. It's going to be decent because then you can produce more treasures which produce other colours yeah. of mana. Like, it's always going to be good. Absolutely. And I, I guess the thing I really want to make clear here as well is that, like these are played a lot for a reason. Like, they are j just the best versions of their effects. So, like, we're not saying, you know, bashing people for, like, owning a copy. Like, if you have a Smothering Tithe in your deck, we're not, like, calling you out. Um, we're just saying these are, like, pretty well known as the most efficient versions yeah. of those effects, We're right? so well done on including them in your deck. You know yeah. what the most efficient ones if, are. If all you want is power, you've found the right card. Yes, those exactly. are well absolutely yeah. some of them, yeah. Um, but the, the Space Commanders did say they wanted us to look at what might happen to us as players if we're looking at cards that are powerful still, but in a sort of smaller percentage of the time. So these aren't your Smothering Tithe, which is like, no matter what, if you have four mana, you should probably cast that spell. These are kind of like the, ooh, is this good now? Maybe I'll need it later. Maybe I need to wait. Maybe I need another card first. Like or that I need to choose a specific target for this. Yeah. Or like, yeah. 
Usually, um, these are going to be sort of more synergistic, I would say, in our decks, which is definitely an upside. Which also, we've spruced on this podcast before, how much we love it when a card that you think is, like, bad is great in a particular deck. Yeah. These are the cards that we're talking about when we say, like, this card is great in insert commander or strategy here. Yeah, and I think you could even make an argument that this is kind of what commander is all about, right? Like, it's a singleton format. It's definitely about freedom of expression and using cards that you like. And, you know, there's like a million cards that are legal in Commander. They kind of want you to find weird ones to, to put in your decks, I, mm. I would argue. Especially when you look at some of Sheldon's deck lists. Sheldon Mennery from the um, the Commander Rules Committee plays some weird cards in his decks. But he's as old as time itself. So he, <laughs> Maybe he, he's he, know, he probably knows all those cards when they were printed. <laughs> pulled them from a pack himself. Yes, like, exactly right. I'd so, love to be that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Imagine. Father Tom. Um, so what are these? some of these cards that we think are powerful in only some situations? Because those are the ones that the Space Commanders want us to look at. Um, You're really good at this when you deck build. You're you very reckon? good. I reckon you've got a good list of cards in your head already. I... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. Like, I, I know for a fact that you, like, in a game recently, um, we were playing a plus one counters build. Mm. And you played a card that made me go, what the heck is this? And you, it was the one that puts... Plus one count or makes insects to how many plus one counters were put on creatures. Oh my god! Turn. Oh yeah, iridescent horn beetle. Yeah, wild card. <laughs> I've so never wacky. seen anyone play this card until I put it in my deck. Um, yeah, this is like a five mana creature that in your end step you make an insect for every plus one counter you've put on creatures you control this turn. So that is so specific. So specific. So specific. But if you're playing a deck that is like only doing plus one counters, like my Mowu deck, you know, readily puts like ten counters on Mowu in a turn. That's um, ten insects. Yeah, move to your end step, make ten one ones. <laughs> that's, like that's pretty. Insane. It's kind of sick for five mana. And it's every end step. Oh, every yeah. one of your end steps. Well, yeah. go on. Give me, give me some more. All right. I well, I want to know some more weird ones. Speaking of sort of like uh, swords and path. Sure. Uh, Luminate. Primordial is the this this is part of the primordial cycle, though the seven mana creatures that have an ETB. Is this the white one? This is the white, this one. Is the white one. This one swords, so exiles a creature, they gain life equal to its power. Each one creature on each of your opponent's boards. So it swords three things. Three things. So it's like casting swords to plowshares three times, but on one What's card. What's its mana cost? Seven. Okay. But it's a creature. So if you're playing a flicker deck or anything oh, that's good with ETBs. Yeah. Or like if you're playing um, Conjurer's Closet. Yes. Oh, that's just so good. Yeah, every end step cast three copies of Swords to Plowshares. Invest seven mana now, paid dividends in the, yeah. in the end step. Absolutely, absolutely. That's um, crazy. Vega the Watcher. I play in my Tygam deck specifically. This is the three mana creature that's Azorius from um, Kaldheim. Whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, draw a card. Oh, it's the owl. Yes, it's uh, an it's owl. Go- yeah. Gorgeous art. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that, yeah. Um, so yeah, like in my Tygam deck, it's a oh, rebound, rebound deck. Oh, yeah. That's sick. Every upkeep, you're like drawing three cards. Yeah. That's nuts. Some of them are cantrips. You're like cast, casting Ponder again and drawing two cards. So like, cast, cast Ponder, ponder draw, draw a card, card, resolve look, Ponder. Look at top three, draw cards. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Um, I love cards that have like, that are really risky, like Chance for Glory. I have seen you like pretty much go fuck it and cast chance yeah. for glory. <laughs> it is so wild. So this is the one that says um, creatures gain indest- creatures you control gain indestructible. Technics return after this one. Uh, at the beginning of that end step, you lose the game. Basically, the next turn's end step. Um, importantly, by the way, if you have like a Seer's Sundial effect, this is such a tangent, but I don't care. Um, if you have a Seer's Sundial sort of effect like, where you can end the turn, Transfer Glory does not say creatures you control gain indestructible until the end of your next turn. It says creatures you control gain indestructible. Oh my god. If you have a way of like making sure you don't lose in your next end step, your creatures just have indestructible forever. The ones that were on the battlefield when you resolved Chase for Glory. That's not even a count. It's not a, like indestructible no, counter. No, just <laughs> indestructible just adds That's a line bizarre. of text to the cards. That's um, so cool. Super I, strange. So this is one of the ones that work with the Obeka suit. Yes, unfortunately not in Obeka's colours, so you had to be in like a four colour or five colour right, kind okay. of thing. But yeah, if you're playing like a five colour end of the turn tribal deck. I want to see that good. deck. It would be cool, it would be cool. But like, you know, this is super risky. Like you get an extra turn, but if you don't win in that turn, you've, yeah. you've lost. Unless you're doing weird shenanigans. Alright, well moving into my colours in blue. Sure. I'm going to share some. Yep. Uh, in a card that I run in my Yaleva deck, mm-hmm. um, I run a board wipe called Flood of Tears. Oh yeah. Bounces all non-land permanents. Yes. But 
after that, if you return six non-land permanents this way, you put a permanent that you could have in your hand onto the battlefield. Yeah, this card's sick. It's really strong. And it's also six mana, which isn't... It is overcosted, mm. but it's not massively overcosted considering if you have a permanent that's like four or five mana yeah. that you put down back onto the battlefield, you've got the investment back there, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Oh, I've definitely... I think I've resolved this once and I had... Um, it was in my Kaza deck. So, in my Kaza yeah. deck, it costs blue-blue, which is important. That's really good in that yeah. deck, yeah. Um, but I think I had double vision in my hand. The, <gasps> the five mana enchantment. Oh, so you put two things back into the... Oh, I don't think... If, if you copy the spell, oh, it resolves twice. I don't think I had it on the battlefield. I think I had oh. it in my hand. So, like, spell... Sw- uh, spells... No, Flood, Flood of Tears. Yeah. I Flood of Tears back everything to my hand, but then was like, oh, cool, I'm going to drop this double vision so that the next time I go and do my next turn, I get copies of stuff. Yeah. I mean, so I, I cheated five mana there. I yeah. just thought in a copy deck, though, if that resolves twice, it would bounce oh, yeah. everything. Oh, no, but then it would bounce the thing you put in for the first oh, time. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's sad. Oh, and then it wouldn't read. Actually, that's bad. No, don't do that's it. That's bad. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. You did say Spell Swindle, though. Um, oh, yeah. Which is another sick blue card that I did have in mind for, like, a replacement counter spell. Sure. It's five mana. That yes. is way overcosted for a counter spell. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the sort of standard for counter spells is the card counter spell, which is blue, blue counter spell. Yeah. Two mana. Yep. Um, this is five. So, so comfortably over that. Yes, over that. But when you counter the spell, whatever that spell's mana cost was, you make that many treasures. Yeah, it's sick. I've seen this run in Brutaclad decks before. Oh. And it is terrifying in Brutaclad. Yeah. Like, I mean, Brutaclad is not a control deck by any no, means, no. but having a counter spell up is pretty good, and then you get to create a bunch of, oh, you've got a Desolation Twin out? A 10-10. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is basically like, yes, it says counter a spell, but it's kind of like counter target spell. In your next turn, if you have a good board state, win, win the game. Yeah. In <laughs> yep. a similar vein, I'm thinking counter spells. In my Zaxara, my X tribal, X spell tribal deck. Yes, this um, is the one that makes hydras when you cast X spells. Yeah. Yeah. So I run a card called Power Sync, which is blue and an X for counter target spell, um, unless counter target spell unless its controller pays X. And then it has Delve. Is it this one, or is it just like that's? There is another one, Power Sync. I don't think has Delve. Okay. I think it might be another. It's the exact same line of text. Yeah. But it also has Delve, which yeah. is the stronger version. Maybe that is Power Sync. I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, but, but but yes, in general, these these in X spell decks. Really yeah, good. in an X spell deck, it's much better than it would normally be. Yeah. Um. It, I love in my sort of mill kind of strategies cards like Golgari Thug. Um. This has the dredge mechanic, which is super strange. I believe Mark. Rosewater well said he's never printing this again. Um, <laughs> I, I think this is in you know the have you ever seen the Zero to Storm? Um, oh, the list of mechanics list? that are yes. never going to get reprinted. It's, it's, the, it's quite amusing. It's the like yes, it's the scale of how likely a mechanic is to and see a reprint. Storm is right at the top. Yeah, of that it's literally list. called the Zero to Storm yeah. list, I believe. So Storm is the least likely in the Storm category. Is Dredge? Oh wow, Dredge is actually in the ten on that that, in that fairness, level. Trying like. In, I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Explain Dredge. Go. If a card that has Dredge is in your graveyard and you would go to draw a card, you can replace it and Dredge that many cards equal to the Dredge number. Boy, that and was And put that like, card into your hand. Boy, yeah, you nearly got it wrong. Almost. That's pretty good, though. That's not bad. It's But it's not intuitive. That's, you had to, like, speed run that and I saw the frantic panic oh, on your face. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's not a mechanic that comes easily to you until you understand how replacement effects work and... But in the right deck. Oh, yeah, it's great. In the right deck, it's yes. incredible. Like, in your Marin deck, Olgari Thug just absolutely fills your graveyard. Oh, yeah, it's it's like, wild how quickly it does it. It's yeah. insane. Definitely. Um, Speaking of graveyards, Dread Return. This is the format of sorcery that returns a creature card from your graveyard to your battlefield which is like roughly the cost oh then it has uh, it's got a flashback cost for like sacrificing three creatures yes that is insane yeah no mana flashback yeah that's sick no, it's zero mana reanimate in the right circumstance mm-hmm. yeah this yeah. is really good in like self mill decks because if you accidentally mm. mill instants and sorceries in your self mill decks you can feel really upset yeah. I know because I have a scarab god deck yes um, but when you mill um, like Dread Return, you're like, mm. sweet. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll go the, the in my opinion, absolute best deck I've ever seen Dread Return in. It is a mill deck, a Rami of the Dead Tide. Because you, when you Encore oh, creatures, you get, you get three, three copies. Oh, that's genius. It's literally just like Encore whatever you want, preferably something you want to die anyway. 
Sacrifice all three of the things you encored, get something else back. And, and permanently get it back Permanently as well. get it back. That's so good. It's so sick. It's unbelievably sick. Um, yeah. Uh, it's to sort of do a parallel to Dockside Extortionist, not nearly as good, but cool. Um, Mana Geyser. This yep. is the, the five mana sorcery that adds red equal to the number of tapped lands your opponents control. Yeah. All your opponents. So sometimes you get 20 red out of this. I was going to say, like, how are you going to compare something to Dockside? But, like, honestly, mana guys are in the right deck can be better than Dockside. In the right like, circumstances. If you're, in yeah. a, if you're in a spell slinger deck that's like, or in a storm deck. Oh, yeah. Uh, mana guys is incredible. Uh, well, sometimes you can copy it yes. in spell slinger And then you decks. get like 40 mana. Yeah, it's crazy. Imagine having Jeska's Will, but. Like, on steroids. That's what yeah. this card is. Basically, um, I want to shout out another card from my Mo deck, Wave of Vitriol. Um, this is a seven mana sorcery. Each player sacrifices all artifacts, enchantments, and non-basic lands they control. Ew. And then they search for a number of basic lands okay. equal to the number of non-basic lands they sacrifice this way. So you always it's, end up with the same number of lands you had unless yeah. you run out of basics in your deck, which can happen. Um, but, but then you should be punished for yeah. having too expensive <laughs> of a mana base. I didn't want to say it, but I agree. <laughs> Um, but like it gets rid of all artifacts and enchantments, gets around indestructible because That's it really, makes you sacrifice yeah, them. sacrifice is good. Um, but it's a seven mana sorcery. So like it's a, it's a big cost to pay, but the, the upside is huge. And I, I think this is kind of the thing that I'm, I'm saying is the sort of thing that joins all of these cards together is they have a narrower range of times in commander games where they are really, really strong. Um, but they... They also, like, compared to the the other cards, which had a very wide array of times mm. where they could be played and they were good, but some of these narrower occasions can actually have higher upside, right? Yeah. Like, Dockside, you know, on the right board can make, like, 20 treasures, but Mana Geyser, if you copy it three times as a spell... And then pump all that treasure into a fireball, could win you the game! Yeah, like, that could be your win card. I'm, yeah. I mean, you could probably argue you could break uh, Dockside in some similar way, but it's sort of saying, like, you know, there's these narrower times where they're good, but... but because they're narrower, they are sort of these explosive times of being like, oh my god, I broke that card. Yeah, well, I mean, just think about like how much time we spent talking about the so-called really, really good cards. And we were mm. like, yep, this is really good. This is great. Yep, you should definitely run it. And then think about how we were acting just then when we were talking about like Wave of Vitriol yeah. and like uh, Mana Guys. We were like, oh, this is so much fun yes. and wild. It's definitely excitement yeah. inducing. And I, I guess I will say that the, the, the focus moving into the sort of second half of uh, this episode. Oh, we're taking a, a, a... In a second, in a second. Um, is the Space Commanders did specifically say they wanted us to find those cards that have a, you know, are, are powerful in a smaller percentage of the time, basically. Which we've gone through. Which we've, we've found a, a few of them. Yeah. We sort of know what the, how, what those are now. But they actually specifically said that playing those will make you a better Magic player. Oh, right. So I think in the second half, let's dive into how we think that playing these cards can actually make you a better Magic player. So, sure. Uh, before that, I think we better have a thrifty, thrifty interlude. interlude. Oh, you're hopping in on that um, one now. Yeah, I, All think, right, I, I reckon that. it'll sound really cool in headphones if people <laughs> listening in both our voices. Like, I, I can believe yeah, that. Yeah. yeah nice. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots left to cover, obviously, like we talked about, but uh, we do want to hear a little something about a thrifty card. This won't uh, be breaking your, your bank by any means. Um, and as is tradition, I will bring the card to life in a monologue form. Uh, in James, a weird way. In a, in a weird way. It's me. I, like I think that's you, implied. You make it sound so academic. I'm going to do a monologue. You're weird. I, yeah. You're professionally weird. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting that on my resume. Professional weird. Uh, do you want me to read the card? Yes, please do. Sure. Well, this one's kind of insane. Um, great card. Single green mana for an enchantment aura called Instill Energy. So you can enchant a creature and the enchanted creature can only attack as... Sorry. Mess that up completely. The enchanted creature can attack as though as though it had haste. So basically gives the enchanted creature haste. Kind Except of. Except you can't, can't tap it tap for it abilities for, or something it, else. Kind of. It's still pretty good. It's still good. But this is the, the crazy bit that I love. For zero mana, so at instant speed, whenever you like, you can activate an ability on this enchantment that says untap enchanted creature. Activate only during your turn and only once each turn. Do you feel as though caffeine has too much power over your life? As if some days that morning coffee or tea is all that gets you up in the morning and that afternoon energy drink is all that keeps you awake? 
What if I told you you could operate at twice the speed and never sleep again? All this from just a touch of the finger of a god. We don't know what he's the god of. Don't ask questions. I haven't felt this awake since I found out what rule 34 was. Don't ask me about that either. Get budgeted. <laughs> Yeah, I do feel like caffeine has a bit of a grip on my life, <laughs> and I unfortunately do know what rule 34 is. Ah, uh, well then, Instill Energy will have no effect on you. Instill uh, Energy does sound like a really good energy name drink. Yeah. Like, a, the, like it does, actually. energy drink name. Instill Energy. Yeah, it I can see like, that. Yeah, I can would, see the market It would be spelled like N-S-T-L. Instill, yeah, instill energy, and then NRG as the energy. Yeah, instill energy, and the yeah, it'd be like a five on its side for the end. <laughs> like, yeah. Sort of feels like the shoe five gun. Yeah. Um, text posts of these weird things that I write are released regularly on Discord, so you can join our Discord server. Uh, it's linked in the show notes if you'd like to see them there as they come out, and you can also see me turn some of these into videos over on TikTok mm. at g underscore commander community, so don't forget to follow us on there if you'd like to see those as they come out. Yeah, and you can tell how old that card is just by how badly I read it. That card <laughs> is worded so poorly. It's worded very, like... <laughs> I, I think I... That's a whiteboarded card, surely. It was. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. I actually owned the whiteboarded version. <laughs> did you really? Yes. Of course you did. I think the original version of the card says, um, Enchanted Creature is not affected by summoning sickness. Yeah, that's Which is funny, because it's like, yeah. like it actually is sort of more intuitive than saying it may attack as though it had haste. But it but can't it's activate not... abilities. Yeah. But it, it that activated ability at instant speed during combat is pretty... Sh- pretty swift it's that's very pretty cool. weird you can do it once you can do it any time in your turn but only once a turn it's got to have a use in some deck somewhere it, right? i mean basically any deck where your commander has an activated ability like it's not going to give it haste on that turn but it lets you untap it once a turn for free yeah. so like that's pretty good it's pretty good if, if it's in the aura. right deck it makes us a better magic yes player. that's true again. we're back in good stuff um <laughs> So, um, we want to talk about some of the things that you will gain by using cards that are, quote, bad. Um, cards that have narrower ranges of uses. Mm. Cards that are, um, I think the Space Commander said, powerful in specific situations rather than all situations. Yeah. Um, so, basically, some of the things you can learn. And, and they specifically said that we'll become a better Magic player yeah. if we are using these cards. So, I guess this second half can be kind of the things that you will get better at as a magic player by playing bad cards. The personal MTG growth, commander growth in using bad cards. I actually see a lot of benefits from, like, using cards that are more specifically used in particular decks, and I think it starts off right at the beginning in the deck building process. Yeah. I think that when you start using... And specific, like, when you look at our deck building template, Mm. we have, like, numbers that are attributed with each kind of section of the deck building process. So we have, like, 10 ramp, 10 card draw... Etc. 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 Yeah. But in so many situations, if you're in certain colors, you can be like, oh, well, I'll just fill all of these 10 slots of card draw with the best card draw spells that I know. Yeah. And these colors and the ones that come up at the top of the page on EDH track, mm. I'll move on. Yeah, but I didn't... in certain situations, you're missing out on a lot of synergy. I think you are. And I think the other thing that happens to you is... Like, we said minimum 10 card draw. Yeah. But I think if you're playing a deck that has a Rhystic Study in it and has Tutors in it, like, you are probably building sub-optimal decks, but because the cards in your deck are so good at doing the things you need them to do, you're kind of not learning the lesson. Like, if you play bad card draw and you play 10 bits of card draw, sometimes you'll play your deck, you'll play test it, and you'll go... Actually, I keep running out of cards. I need more card draw in this deck, or I need to like reevaluate the card draw. And that's a good lesson you've learned about card draw by kind of doing it wrong. Yeah, I think tutors are a key com- uh, like culprit of this yeah. effect, where they become extra versions of every category in your mm. deck, especially the demonic tutor, the vampiric tutor, those tutors that get any card. You can essentially go, okay, well, that counts as a card draw, that counts as a ramp spell, Mm. because it gets me that other card. Yeah. So it means that, I guess, as a, you know, a commander growth lesson, it means you have to pay more attention to the numbers, which, as we know from our deck building template episode, when you learn the rules and know how to apply them correctly, then you can start breaking them, because you're aware of how important they are. This Mm. makes you 
painfully aware of it. Yeah, this is almost like the step before learning the rules of actually making a bunch of mistakes. And yeah. I think that, that, that good cards kind of shelter you from some of these mistakes. I, I actually have been recently watching um, a series of gameplay videos. I don't want to call them out because I am saying something negative about them. They are really good videos, but I've been looking at some of the deck lists that they've been playing. Mm. And there's one particular player on this, this um, YouTube channel who plays a lot of decks with 30 lands in them. Which is way too low. And I was looking at these decks and I wasn't I was going like this is a you know, this is obviously not Do a they CDH miss land deck. Drops? Well, they did in a game that I was watching and I was like, I wonder how many lands they're playing and they were not playing enough. And I was <laughs> okay. like, well, that'll probably do it. But they were playing like really strong tutors and really strong card draw. And I kind of thought to myself, man, they probably play a good number of games where this isn't a problem for them because their card draw is so good or their tutors are so good. And so they're actually not learning the mistake, which is playing 30 lands. I think unless your curve is extremely low or you're playing CDH, 30 lands is way too low. Yeah, Yuriko runs on 32 lands, but that's because every spell that I actually cast is like maximum three mana. Well, and your t- your effectively two mana commander draws you a card every turn. Yes, and I'm winning by turn five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that it, like it makes sense. Yeah. If you have the justification for it, but this was like 30 lands in every deck. Yeah. So yeah, like playing the really good, the Rhystic Studies, the Tutors is actually sheltering you from playing enough card draw, enough lands, even enough removal, I would argue. Like, some people are probably running, like, two to three removal spells, but because they find them so much of the time through their tutors and their card draw, um, they feel like that's enough. But when you play with the less efficient versions of card draw and the less efficient tutors, or or if you lean more towards card draw and less towards tutors, you're going to find those removal spells a lot less of the time, and you're probably going to go, like, get to a bunch of games and go, man... I wish I found my naturalized that game because there was an enchantment on the board I needed to deal with on turn three and I never dealt with it. Yeah, I think just from a deck building perspective as well, I think if you just go, okay, I need removal spells, I'll get swords, I'll get path, there we go, there's a couple of removal spells done. You're missing out on something that's so... Like, it's... it. I always view it as, like, um, getting into the gym as a commander player. When you mm. go on Scryfall and you do the research, that feels like doing a fucking good pump at the gym. <laughs> because you're like, I'm now really aware of what actually synergizes with my deck mm. and why these cards are good. So I'm if I'm in a plus one counters build, is there any removal spell that gets me plus one counters on my creatures? Yeah. Oh, shit, on Scryfall. Yeah, there is. I can see that now. Mm. That's way better than Path to Exile for me. Yeah. So, like, you miss out. And also, that's, like, an experience thing as well. It doesn't only make you a better commander player, but you're actually missing out on a lot of the fun of deck building. Yeah, well, like you were saying earlier, when we were looking at the cards that had a narrow range of uses, you know, the quote, bad cards... Um, we got excited about it. We got really it. excited yeah. about it because that's the fun of Commander is finding those niche strategies and stuff. And um, yeah, I think I think speaking of fun, another thing that you get by playing these sort of less efficient versions of cards or, you know, the bad cards is it does bring your power level down, but in a good way, in a fun way specifically. Yeah. I, I think that, that removing some of these staples, these cards that just are the best versions of every effect does tend to bring you sort of towards that kind of middle zone of... Um, of the uh, power level spectrum, if you like. And I think, you know, we should always keep in mind, and we we know this because we talk about it a lot when we're um, talking about what we want to talk about on this podcast, we know that most players are playing towards the bottom end of the power level curve. Yes, um, I mean... See, also, or between the bottom and the middle, basically. Yeah, when we did our CEDH episode that we kind of did a bit of myth busting, mm. we first first myth that we busted was it's not that common. No. Because, like, CEDH is like, yeah, you are solving Commander, but that's not what most Commander players say that they love about Commander. No. If you were to ask an average Commander player what do you love about it, they'll probably say, oh, I love the social aspect, the fact that I can express myself through my deck, and the fact that I can find weird synergies and stuff like that. None of that says, I can play the most efficient removal spells <laughs> in my format and it's remove true. my opponents and win the game. Yeah. I love Commander. <laughs> Commander, good game. <laughs> I'm robot. Oh, the CDH <laughs> robot has appeared. Not again. I look at database at least once every three weeks <laughs> to make sure I am playing optimal oh, card draw. Oh, no, James, the CDH players who we, we know listen to this podcast are going to be deeply offended, of course. I don't think they will no. be because I think they understand the fact that CDH is a different and we said it as well it is mm. a mind state a mindset and a metagame yeah whereas there is a separate mind state and a separate metagame for casual players mm. and specifically the lower end of the casual players where playing cards like these much more inefficient versions of effects 
are going to help you have more fun games at Commander. Because mm. in CDH, CDH players, their fun comes from that mind state and that metagame. Yeah. So they're not actually looking for this. No. So I don't think they care at I, all. I think it's a question of priorities, right? Yes. Like the, the, the CDH player is, is looking for a particular game experience, whereas... Um, you know, I think deck building is such a so much more integral of a part of what makes the casual player. Yeah, brewing. Mm, yeah, yeah is, is something that, that we like so much, and um, especially in those those sort of casual sort of games, and, and towards the bottom of that power curve. Um, yeah, I think I think that playing these sort of slightly lesser versions of the card, yeah, it does bring your power level down. But I would like to argue that I think that's a good thing. I think especially, um, I know some of our listeners are very enfranchised and very, um, you know, real optimizers of their deck lists. But throwing in these synergy pieces over your most efficient versions of each card, you know, even if the, the card that you turn to is not necessarily Swords to Plowshares or Path to Exile, I know some people who put an Arcane Signet in every deck. Yep. And like, yes, that, that card makes that deck better. I'm not going to take that away from you. I think it's probably one Two of the mana, best... Two taps for any color you need. Yeah, one of the best great. mana rocks yep. in our format, definitely. But you might be missing out on some synergy you can find that will bring your power level down a little bit that might make you sit at a sort of slightly better table because most of the places that we go to play Commander are going to be filled with players who are sitting around that power level. Yeah, this is a really rare moment on our podcast. I think a lot of our suggestions for for our listeners generally come at like, are you new to Commander? Mm. And we have a lot of advice for new Commander players. But I think this piece of advice actually goes for like experienced Commander players. Like, for example... If you're a player, and I've had actually our listeners talk to me about this on our Discord, Mm. where they're going, I'm winning way too often. I remember you said once in an episode on our podcast that you should win approximately 25 games, 25% of games. Yeah, I mean, if if you're playing perfect games of Commander and perfect Rule Zeros, then yeah, ideally, you kind of want to win 25% of the time, yeah. I've had a couple of listeners come up to me and go, I'm winning too often. Yeah. I'm actually not enjoying it because it's too efficient. I'm always blasting through it. I think I even said that a couple episodes ago in the um, Path to Victory episode. And I think this is a really good way of kind of making the game that challenging, fun adventure that you used to have, trying to get to that win. Mm. Because these cards really make you think about your plays and, you know, make you grind and yeah it's it's going to make it more interesting because you're working harder for it Mm. you have to really think about it yeah and it's going to mean that when you you find the right combination of synergistic cards it's going to be fun like playing at this power level is fun i i've built this mono green list recently i don't talk about it all the time this mowu deck sorry is that the is that the plus one counters build the mono yeah 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 Yeah. i i I just i love it i think i've heard about (laughs) i just pull it out all the time because definitely haven't seen it recently (laughs) (laughs) Poor James has been subjected to too much of it. I genuinely think every game of Spell Table I've played with you in the past two to three weeks has been Moa. Yeah, I just, I love it so much. It's just really fun. It sets at a really good power level, I think, where like it's it's strong and when it gets the balls rolling, it, it works really, really efficiently and really, really well. But I don't feel like I'm... Um, too far ahead of people. Like, it's very rare to sit down at a, at a game and go like, oh, I think I'm in the wrong deck here. Th- you know, I think, I think I'm playing the wrong power level. I think that's because you're using these more obscure cards that you're getting that really big enjoyment from. Yeah. Because, like, you could run, for example, what's that... Um, Hardened scales. Like, that's yeah. just, like, the go-to. You don't have that in your list, do you? No, I don't have hardened scales. Exactly. But, like, you're in a plus one counters deck that's green. Mm. You should totally run hardened scales, Yeah, right? I mean, it would make the deck better, I think. It would. Almost definitely. But, yeah, instead I'm playing, like, Thundering Mightmare. What the fuck is Thundering Mightmare? Thundering Mightmare has Soul Bond. So you're familiar with Soul Bond. Oh, the, I, yes. I yeah. remember this card. So Soul Bond is like when... Uh, I won't go into it. But basically when the creature ETBs, the super short answer is it, it kind of like partners with another creature on your, yeah. for, on your field. It's Soul Bonds with it. It's like an aura, but... Only when both creatures are on the battlefield yes, that they and get the, the ability. And they both stay creatures. And then if either of them leaves the battlefield, you basically lose it. So they're yeah. soul bonded together and you get a benefit as long as they're together, pretty, yeah. pretty much. But the soul bond for Thundering Mightmare is whenever an opponent casts a spell, put a plus one counter on each of the creatures. So Thundering oh, Mightmare... gets two. Yeah, oh, so that's, if you put, huge. that's the tech. Yeah. Thundering Mightmare and Mowu and then yeah, they get stupid big. But the other thing you can do with it is you could soul bond Thundering Mightmare with Mindless Automaton. This is the four mana uh, creature that ETBs with two plus one counters on it, and you can remove two plus one counters from it to draw two cards. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so with Thundering Mightmare... Oh my mare. god, that's like build your own Rhystic study <laughs> in, in mono green. Oh my god. That's incredible. It's like slight... Because, like, okay, every time that play a cast a spell, you get one plus one counter. Yes. So it's like 
half as good as Rhystic Study <laughs> spread across two cards but in you, green. But you also get a very big Thundering Nightmare out of it. Which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That's I, sick. It's super Build fun. your own Rhystic Study. And this is like the thing I'm enjoying so much about playing in this power level at the moment is like that's just one thing you can do. But Thundering Nightmare has like so many different uses with particular cards in my deck. Is it, like, a, the most efficient version of a plus no, one counter thing? No, Scales is much better. Yeah, well, and also, like, literally remove Thundering Nightmare or the other creature, the effect is gone. Yes, true. You, a Path to Exile gets rid of that. Yeah, the Path to Exile almost exiles Thundering Nightmare because after th- that effect is gone, it's just, like, a four-mana 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. Um, yes, yes. And bringing your power level down to this level is fun. I guarantee you, if you bring your power level down by playing the bad cards, you'll actually have... More fun. Guarantee it. Yeah, I reckon so. And I was talking... I just said earlier something about, like, the players that I've spoken to are really struggling to find the lower power level that they can have fun at. Mm. But when you are forced into this, like, less efficient version of a game Mm. it actually forces you to really sequence your plays correctly yeah i've found that like a lot of cards that are just generically good you can just throw out of your hand spam 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 Mm. especially like spell slinger archetypes i've noticed you can spam them and then they're always good but in like the lower end of category of goodness i guess in these like less efficient versions sure when you look at it you're like oh this is good but if i do it in this order it's not it's actually a non-bow but if i play this first oh then it works oh then it's like 10 times better well i think this is exactly what the space commanders are talking about is like by playing the less efficient versions of the cards yes you have to you have to sequence Mm. your plays properly which teaches you about the cards and how they interact with one another. I've been told so many times, I remember, especially in my early days, someone would say to me something really simple, someone who was much better at magic would be playing with me at Commander, and they'd say like, oh, you know, if you cast the spells in this other order, you would have drawn like three more cards. And that those those things really blew my mind. They're like, like wow. light bulb moments. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm supposed to do the thing that you know triggers. Yeah. I'm supposed to play my Beast Whisperer first before I empty my hand. This is yeah. basically throwing back to the order, the episode we released way back. But it's really, really important. And I think that playing the bad cards. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It actually forces you to make more complex decisions, which is wild to think about. You sort of think like, oh, if I'm playing the best versions of the cards, you know, I'm playing CDH, I'm making complex decisions. And we're not denying that CDH is complicated. Yep. But I think that the the weird synergies you have to find at lower power levels and with lower, less efficient cards actually can be quite complicated yeah. arguably in some instances more complicated than cdh board states i'm gonna draw a parallel to a planeswalk i did a while ago about how i've been playing modern warfare 2 recently sure so i have been like using a like a, a loadout of a specific set of guns that i was using in the last season sure and obviously when a season comes around the meta changes yep. there's new guns and they they nerf things and all this kind of stuff i am yep. still using my old guns and I found that I've had to play the game in a much more different way because my meta, my loadout was a meta loadout from season one. Right. It is now basically dog water. It's terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. But I've now had to learn how to play the map in a much more efficient way right. to make my setup work better. Yeah. And then just like literally a couple of days ago, I changed to a, a more meta loadout. I went for like 30 kills, two deaths. Wow. Like, I went ham. Because you'd had this new shifted mindset. Yeah, I think that totally makes sense. I think you see this in a lot of instances where when someone has to work harder to find their win or to compete, they improve at the skill that is required much faster. Yeah, well, I mean, when you think about, like, um, athletes, when they're training for an event, some athletes even train at, like, really high altitude because then there's lower oxygen levels. Oh, yeah. So they're, like, using a less efficient version of their their performance yeah so when they get into a like this is also a really great message for like cdh players then if you're trying to get really really good play with shit of cards so when you play with the good <laughs> ones you come back and you're like oh this is like breathing with actual good oxygen yeah I can see this line really clearly now. totally totally and i think that the other thing that you get like you will improve in skill but also making these correct decisions will feel really rewarding i've been playing um my marchesa deck 
quite a lot recently, which is my sort of aristocrats. It's got a little bit of a reanimated theme. Mm. It's got a pretty strong um, sort of weenies theme. Uh, weenies, if you don't know. White weenies. It's just like a generic term for Little decks creatures. that have small creatures. Yeah. yeah, creatures with low power and toughness or low minor value, that kind of thing. The deck is also themed around Electro, your partner, yes, which is awesome. It is. And this is kind of a theme that I found. Custom I could... tokens. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really nice. I'd have, yeah. I'd have to share them somewhere. Um, there's a particular card I've, I've been really enjoying in the deck called Graceful Restoration. This Not is the, more. I think it's Modern Horizons 2 or maybe Modern Horizons 1. Five mana sorcery. Um, you either return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield and put two plus one counters on it. Sure, like an overcosted reanimate with a bit of bonusing. Yeah, with a little bit yeah. of bonus. Or you can return two target creature cards with power two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Double reanimate. Double reanimate. It's five mana sorcery, so like it's not crazy breaking speed barrier kind of busted, but like getting two things back is, yeah, is really sure. good. And when you're playing a graveyard kind of deck, like an aristocracy sort of deck, and you see that card in your hand, you're like, man, I've actually got to think about what cards I want to sacrifice. What are the key pieces? Like, when do I want them to get in yeah. there? When do I want to cast this? What do I want to get back? Is there stuff with ETBs yeah. that I can get back? Like, the, the sort of paths of play you have to think through versus Reanimate, which for a while was also in the list. Reanimate was just like, okay, what's the best creature card in the graveyard? Zoop. Grab that one. Like, yeah. it's just, it's a simple decision. And well, I, I, like I found when, it more rewarding. Yeah, when you've got a choice to get two back, you're like, ooh, do these two synergize together yeah. specifically? Or am I getting one Aristocrats effect and one Sack Outlet so then I can get the engine turning? Yeah. That's, yeah, that is, again, putting those ankle weights on while you're running makes you a faster runner. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. We spoke um, last week about Mirari Conjecture. I think that was the thrifty interlude from me. Brilliantly broken card. I love yeah. that card. It's the, the, the five mana blue saga that, um, returns an instant card I think on chapter 1 a sorcery on chapter 2 but then on chapter 3 it doubles all instant and sorceries yes till it's... end of turn whenever you cast one it's copied so when you're thinking sequencing this card screams you need a plan 3 turns ahead oh yeah <laughs> you've got to really think ahead yeah. you've got to be like what could I draw between now and then I oh, have to have an instant in my bin now well, like, I need a sorcery later yeah so you cast Morari Conjecture and you're like okay I can get this in sorcery back but I'll cast this instant on this turn because next turn I'll get that instant back and yeah it's yeah it's really good Fun. But it really rewards it when you get it right. When you get to that that third turn, you're like, oh, I've got the exact spells I need right yeah. now. Copy, 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 copy. Man, that feels amazing. Mana Geyser, copied. Fireball, win. Yes, basically <laughs> like... win. Yeah, exactly right. Um, we also have mentioned hideaway cards before. Um, mm. In terms of my Mowu deck, I've been really enjoying Fight Rigging. This is the one where... Oh, the enchantment one. Enchantment, right? yeah. yeah um, from um, New Streets of New Capenna. You, when you move to combat, you put a plus one counter on a creature you control, and then if you control a creature with power seven or greater, you cast the hideaway card. Um, but the cool thing is it's an enchantment that sticks around. So even once you've done the hideaway thing, it just says at the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one counter on a creature you control. Which for three mana is yeah. like fine. Yeah, that's and you actually get a free really spell. good. Yeah. yeah, but you get Super a free spell strong. out of it, which yeah. is really cool. Um, I, I love hideaway cards because they really make you think like, okay, the when... perfect time to do the thing. Yes, because like once you've picked, because you just basically pick the best card yeah. you can find, right? Like from the hideaway cards, when you hideaway five, look at the top five, find the best one, put it underneath. But then you're like, yeah, okay, when do I want this? I'll though? give you a really strong example. I used Mosswort Bridge to cast Yever. Um, oh. on my opponent's end step before my turn. Whoa! So after Yeva was cast and on the battlefield, I then emptied my hand of bears. This Yeva is in my Iula deck. Yeva gives green creatures um, flash. flash. Yeah. Oh my god, so because Hideaway ignores timing restrictions. I mean, Yeva has she flash has anyway. anyway yeah. But but you you were untapped. You had no money. You had no flash at the time. And on my opponent's end step, I... Flashed out Yeva with Hideaway. With Hideaway, emptied my hand, buffed my board, and removed key blockers, went to my turn, won the game. Wow. Purely because I literally on my turn was like, I know Yeva is under my Hideaway, past turn. Yeah, I can leave up all my mana. Yeah. That's wild. I yeah. mean, you, you, like, Hideaway ignores timing restrictions, so it's kind of like a cool thing to leave up anyway, but you, yeah. you left up a thing that let you leave up more things. Yes. That's was, fun. And it was That's really... the Jamesest green play I've <laughs> ever heard in my entire life. green creatures <laughs> featuring James. Oh, play them at Flash. That is classic. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, I think the other thing that bad cards force you to do, or, you know, less efficient cards force you to do, is they do, by nature of being less efficient, force you to work harder for the wins that you get. 
Mm. I think, like, even when you talk about specifically, like, win-con cards, we talked about in our deck-building template before, we like sort of three to four win-cons. If you're playing a combat-based deck, like, three of them can be combat, but one of them should be probably not combat. Yeah, but if, if one of your win-con is, like, hoof... Yeah, cast that, you you win. Yeah, like it's like we were talking about earlier, like you know, five or six one ones or something, and Cradle of Behemoth can win you the game. But if instead of Cradle of Behemoth, it was Thunderfoot Bayloth. Oh, this is is that the lieutenant? It's the lieutenant one. So it's a six mana creature with trample that says um, if you control. So, Lieutenant basically says, if you have your commander, you get the Lieutenant effect. The Lieutenant effect of Thunderfoot Bayloth is creatures you control get plus two plus two and have trample. So, it's a static effect, yeah. which is really cool. Like, you just get them buffed permanently. As and it gives everything trample. Everything trample. Super good. Really, really good. Um, but it's only plus two, plus two. So, if this is your, like, game-ending swing, or you want it to be, you're going to need a lot more creatures before yeah. you can win with a Thunderfoot Baylor. You're going to need... Yeah, well, if you think five one ones become five three threes, which That's is not going to get you the That's game. That's not going to get Very you the rarely. game. Very rarely. But if you have 20 one ones. And then they become 23-3s. With Trample. You're winning. Yeah. You are definitely going to win. Yeah, but but you're going to have to sort of plan ahead. Like, sort of just like we're talking about with the Mario yeah. Conjecture. But you're going to kind of have to work for it more. You're going to have to think like, okay, I know I have this, but I need a couple of turns to set up. I need to get a few more tokens. I need to prioritize, like, getting to those, those sorts of well, states. Well, I think the other thing that this does as well is we talked about how tutors just kind of, like, tutor up that Crater Hoof Behemoth when you need it mm. to win you the game on the spot. But I think if you're not running these tutors, not running the really efficient win cons i think you actually have to go okay well now i need like four or five win cons i need yeah. i need some more effects that get me to the end of the game because i think if i cast thunderfoot bailoff might not get me there so maybe i put an n raise forerunners in as well yeah or you but you might even just need to find a version of that effect some percentage of the time yeah. so yeah you, you'll need more of them if you're going to be relying on card draw for finding them you know if, if you've got 60 cards left in your library and one thunderfoot bailoff you're trying to find that's going to be a lot harder to find than a thunderfoot bailoff and an n raise forerunners yeah for I totally sure agree yeah. yeah yeah totally i think the other thing you'll need to do in terms of working for your win and and that it's going to be a bit harder um you'll also need to protect your win cons and this is that part so of you the run to fairies protection uh, y- no but it's the best one so you just run that you're fine no okay okay i can see no. the pain on your face is ah! quite horrific <laughs> i don't like that card very much um look you could yes i guess that's and it a way. is the best version of the effect yes it is but i i would be arguing more for for playing cards like um i love sajuri refuge this is the one that's Sick a land card. on the other side take so, out a basic land for it yeah there you go it's in your straight deck. up upgrade um blacksmith skill oh that's a favorite of yours yeah <laughs> it's it's so good target permanent you control gain text proof and indestructible until end of turn name a version of stopping that that is not a counter spell like um... how are you going to get around that I've, I think once in one of our skits, you targeted, um, my Zach Sara with, um, with the blacksmith skill when yes. I was targeting it with the, like a freed from the real yeah. effect. And it's, it lost it me fizzles, the game. Yeah. yeah. I once in a game, actually, someone was playing a, um, a Tayim, I think it's, no, what's it called? You know that the blue-white partner, whenever you cast a spell, put a plus one counter on? I'm never oh, a player cast a spell. Ishin? Not Ishin. No, that's... No, no. Uh, it's Ish something, though. It is Ish something. Oh, I forget. Anyway, it's the blue-white partner. Um, and it has flying, and you put plus, plus one counters on when you cast a spell. Anyway, it was like a sort of Voltron-y kind of, de- kind of deck. And I think they had, like, a feather down on the field. So whenever they were casting spells, oh, they were getting them sick, back. Yeah. Like, really, really cool. But, um, anyway, they went to... I went to remove it, I think, and then they went to flicker it in response, and I responded with blacksmith skill on the creature. Oh, get wrecked. <laughs> so you can't flicker it if it's got hexproof. Um, and yes, I ended up removing the creature. They were very salty. I think they killed me on their next turn, mostly out of spite. I respect it. It, was a, it was a bit of a blowout. But yes, you, like having less efficient win cons will mean that you'll need more ways to protect your wing con, and like the, the space commanders are saying, you should have those cards anyway, and actually playing the less efficient yeah. versions of the cards is going to teach you that lesson of, oh yeah, actually, I should protect my wing con. I yeah. should have some redirection spells in my deck. I should play Chef's Kiss. That is, mwah, good card. Yes, mwah. yes. Mwah, chef's it's Kiss exactly, on Chef's Kiss. It's exactly what it, what it says it is, isn't it? Yeah. 
totally. And we recommended five to ten, I think. Something, yeah, spells. I think we said like five, and then if like you're playing like that combo, really intricate glass cannon type of deck, yeah, then maybe play more. Play more of that, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, for definitely, sure. definitely. Well, it can be difficult to resist the urge to put more efficient versions of each effect in your decks, but resisting that urge may be better for you in the long run. Cards with narrower uses incentivize creativity and synergy and bring your power level down into a range that most players can match or compete within. Most importantly, thinking outside the box will make you a much better magic player in every way so that when you return to the strongest cards in our format, you will know how to utilize them correctly. So, Space, Space Commanders, Command, command received. received! That was a good one. I feel good after that episode. I feel like a lot of the time we're saying, like, this is how to make, you know, your deck more efficient if yes. you run by this. Like, this is a way of being like, hey, Commander is about experimentation yeah. and different stuff. Use these weird, wacky cards. Yeah, I think, I think there's sort of, like, an inherent narrative behind most sort of magic podcasts of, like, when they recommend a card, what they are really saying is, like, if you want to have play powerful games. Yes. But, like, it's important to note that sometimes we just want to have more fun games. And yeah. actually, yeah, you, you can learn some stuff. And I hope you can hear it in our voices when we're talking about these cards. They cause excitement. They are fun. They're, they're fun. They're definitely fun. Well, to the listeners out there, do you feel commanded? Are you going to go play, and play some more bad cards now? And what cards do you like to play that have a high ceiling and a low floor? Um, you can send us an email. You can add us on Twitter. You can join our Discord, which is in the show notes, and chat with us. That's the best way to chat with us and other members of our play group um and if you have the time we'd love if you could leave us a review on whichever podcast you listen to us on can't do google Podcasts, blah 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 it's so annoying um spotify <laughs> apple Podcasts, leave us a review uh and like we said at the beginning of the episode the absolute best way to support our content is our patreon it's linked in the show notes um there's lots of ways to support us lots of different tiers lots of really cool things you can yeah. get from it uh, and we would like to personally thank fletcher cutting for supporting us in the space commander tier you're the best fletcher you are absolutely a Space Commander top tier in our eyes, which means yes. we're terrified of you. Yes, <laughs> you freak us out and yeah. we love you. <laughs> yeah, just make sure that, you know, when you sign up to, when you claim those benefits of the Space Commander tier, it doesn't mean that we're abducted or tortured <laughs> or anything like that. Please be nice when you ask the Space Commanders <laughs> to get us to talk about something. Um, it's it's fear inducing. Yeah, uh, we, you, you we, have a lot of power. We appreciate it, but we're scared of you. <laughs> um, and of course, thanks again to Palms Off Gaming for sponsoring this podcast. They're creating fantastic um, card game trading card game accessories yes. in all forms: deck boxes, binders, sleeves. We have a couple of their products, and we love them. Yep, really um, high quality stuff. Really cool um, new things they're trying with. Have you seen the pink and- binder? I did see the it's pink really binder. Pretty. I, I it's... my binder's like not falling apart yet, but now I'm looking at it and kind of going fall apart faster. Mm. I'll, <laughs> I'll send I'll send the team at Palms off a, a, a message. Oh, see for, for sure. Sneak me one, yeah. All right. Well, you can check out um, Palms Off Gaming at palmsoffgaming.com.au. But as is tradition, well, we got a planeswalk. We got to get out of Magic the Gathering. Oh yeah. Talk about something else, and it is your week this week. So where are we going? We're gonna go uh, to a different state. In Australia, we're going to go to New South Wales. Um, Sweet. To a really, really amazing place called the Kinchilla Boys Home, uh, which is a an organisation that it, it formerly, um, a long time ago, well, not that long ago, unfortunately, was a place where um, members of the Stolen Generation were oh. taken um, in for, Australia. For context, the Stolen Generation is... For those that aren't in Australia might not know, Mm. the Stolen Generation is a group of indigenous people in Australia that when, you know, colonizers and settlers came to Australia, um, literally were taken out of their childhood beds Mm. to be colonized, to be taught Western philosophy of, you know, Anglican ideologies. Don't observe your um, traditional ways of being. Don't be who you were. It is quite confronting it's really it's really quite horrific but um basically Kinchilla boys home have now become an organization uh that are run by aboriginal australians and they are are basically working for their community and supporting their community uh, in the things that they do 
Specific... So just giving them a shout out or... Um, well, I actually have just signed on to a really exciting um, project. I can't talk too much about it because it's all still a little bit under wraps. Mm. But basically, I'm going to be going up to um, this area of New South Wales and working with a, a bunch of other actors um, and uh, a director who is an Aboriginal man and uh, bringing to life some of the stories of the people from the Kinchilla Boys wow. Home. So we're going to be developing um, basically a theatre script well, you know, a sort of theatre script that's kind of based very de- exactly on the stories that they share with us. Wow. Um, and in consultation with them, we're also going to be offering um, some of our own knowledge of theatre so that they can experience that and have that as a skill that they have as well. That's um, brilliant. Yeah, it's going to be really, really cool. So I'm doing four weeks over the course of the next few months, like one week at a time, yeah. going up, um, working with the people there, working with the other members of my ensemble. And then, yeah, we'll be doing a performance in Sydney. I'll definitely shout it out again um, closer to the day and in case know, people are I'll in Sydney. And you I'll be going. I'll be, yeah. I'll be flying up there. So Very I'll, sweet I'll bring you. a Space Commander listeners, yeah. <laughs> Get Commanded listeners and me to watch. It's, um, That's it's, incredible. It's really cool. It's actually my first ever paid acting gig. Oh, so, congratulations. Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm really excited about it. I... I I like obviously it's really cool to be acting and really cool it's a really cool group of people I'm working with but like the fact that it's actually going to be helping you know it's going to make a difference in people's lives yeah um really what all great art does I think I think so and it's also like it is it is highlighting an area of Australian history that is so easily brushed under the carpet well quite intentionally yeah yeah, unfortunately yeah yeah quite intentionally which is it's horrifically upsetting yeah and obviously we love to end our podcasts on a very upbeat happy note this is i think this is a happy note to end on for sure this is an incredible project and i think uh, turning this into a bit of an interview now how do you feel as someone who is white um Mm. going in and performing in such a play that is is kind of it's in consultation with them, obviously, mm. and you're talking quite directly to them in the research. But yeah. do you feel like it's an it's almost you're fulfilling an obligation to spread the awareness because you have a white voice per se? Of um, yeah. Oh goodness, I don't know. I, I I think I think I'm really excited that it so much of the process is going to be about listening, and that's what I'm most excited Being for. Being with the community. Yeah, I I really I really want to actively use my voice in whatever way that the director sees fit, because you know the director knows much more about this than I do. Mm. Um, to yeah, to basically amplify the voices that that are there and that do need to be heard, and yeah. and so yeah, like I'll definitely be talking about it, and I'll be I'll be shouting it out, and I'll be I'll be really highlighting it however I can, but I. For me, like it, it's going to be really about listening, and I'm I'm going to really try and make sure that I'm um, coming at it from a slant of being like, you know, I'm just sort of a vessel for getting this message across That's and, and spreading it out there. Freaking beautiful, man! It's freaking <laughs> beautiful. What a good way to end this yeah, episode. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, I look forward to it. Well, if you want to fly up to Sydney with me and yes. watch Walt perform, it'll we'll be in July. I'll get the dates later. Jump sure. on the Discord, and we'll arrange. Um, <laughs> arrange some transportation yep. and get everyone get people up there if oh, you want to come along it's super cool let's, really cool let's i'd love go. to see you all there keen as well that's it for this episode commander players we'll see you next time bye